You're listening to the podcast of Real Life Church. We love, we live, we relate. This morning, Father God, I have an expectation for signs, wonders, and miracles. No matter what that looks like, that people are set free, people are made whole, people fall more and more, more and more and in love with you every moment of every day. May we experience something significant of you this morning. Why don't you put your hands up, please? Say, I declare healing over Stuart. Amen. Fantastic. Thank you. How many of you think it's good for believers to go to the hospital to pray for the sick? How many of you think there are sick people in the hospital? So we say believers should walk into a building that holds sick people and pray for them. Now, I'm in agreement with you, but the thing for me that's amazing, as soon as believers get sick, they just stop going to church. You know, I'm sick, so I'm not going to church this morning. I'm sick, so I'm tapping out. I'm not going to do anything because I'm sick. My goodness, surely, if we say believers should go into hospitals to go and pray for the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, then why won't they even come to church on a Sunday morning if they're feeling unwell or unworthy? So I'm not feeling 100% this morning, but I'm saying Satan, zero, God, one. We are in the winning seat. Fantastic. When I was unwell because the doctors thought I had cancer, and every week that I was going through chemotherapy, I chose to go to church. Why? Because surely the church is where you get healed and whole and made right. So let's just change some of our perspective and say, actually, nothing's going to prevent me from doing what God has called me to do this morning. So hee-haw, yes, let's have a whole load of fun. Are you ready? Fasten your seatbelts. Buckle up. I think I'm going to have fun this week. So, um, Emil or Tabakistan, I think we just need like, to text you down a little bit in volume. Anton is saying he's loud this morning, and he's, he's not going to get any quieter from, from here. It's the anointing. Fantastic. Imagine if I plug my mic in. The Jesus way. So I'm going to finish off this morning on this little segment that I've been doing on the Jesus way. I'm reminding you of the past couple, or past two weeks, I've been talking about the Jesus way. Jesus is drawing near to his time on the cross, and he's getting ready to, to leave. And he's saying to his disciples, which are Jesus followers, and how many of us think that we are Jesus followers without being involved in the discipleship program? So I, 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 I've got this thing that I started on a, on a Friday night, it's called, on a Thursday night, once a month, it's called Bible and Beer, and my object is to make sure there's more non-church-going people in my course than there are church-going people, and the only reason why I can do that is to offer them a beer, because then all the non-church people come to my Bible and Beer, and, and it's just amazing, because as Ellie said, she met this guy in, in, in gym um, and invites him, you know, uh, she went for uh, acupuncture or needling or something about two, three weeks ago, invites the guy to, to, to our home. Just, just arrive there on Thursday night, and my husband will give you a beer and talk about God. So we even had people arriving on Thursday night, and I've never met them in my life before. But what a good evening. Surely this is where we, we should be going, imparting Jesus, discipling, getting to know people, and getting people to know the one that we are following. We can't disciple people unless we're following Jesus. And yet for so many of us, we're following our own way, our own world, our own work, our own something. It's just actually, no, it's Jesus who I want to follow. Come and follow me like I follow Jesus. Amen. Friends, in, in Christianity, there is always a cross before this resurrection power. 
And so many of us, we want the power, but we're not prepared to lay down our lives. You're not prepared to go to the cross. You're not prepared to recognize that before the resurrection glory, there's always a cross. And because of that, if only we would die to ourselves so that we can really live. And when Jesus calls us to follow him, he invites us to follow him, but laying down and giving up everything that we were carrying before that. And so that we sing that hymn this morning, I'm sorry for all the things that I made it. It's all about you, Jesus. Except on Friday nights when there's a Netflix special. Except on Thursday night when it's either cat con or going to somewhere. You know, so it's all about you, Jesus. And then we put in our terms and conditions apply. Friends, we need to learn to die to ourselves so we can freely live in Jesus. And so I said there were three things I'm going to touch on. The first one was persecution. If you know that you're a deeply loved person, but you're not living like a deeply loved person, you're never getting healed, whole, or growing. We've got to know that we know that we are deeply loved people, and God loves us. I suggested that the most effective tool for reaching the lost, the most effective tool for, for bringing faith into the workplace is to live like a deeply loved person. You'll be set apart, and people want to know, what are you set apart for? You're not set apart for, for weird things. You're set apart to be able to make a difference and be sent into the world to go and make a, a difference. How we witness to people is more important often than what we are trying to witness to them about. It's the how Jesus loves me. It's the how Jesus loves you. The second thing I mentioned was testing. So what's the purpose of testing? Testing is a path to growth and maturity. Testing is not a sign of failure or immaturity. We get tested in our faith so we can rise up and, and overcome and be strong, courageous, and victorious and move on to new battles and to new frontiers and to go and to, to galaxies far and beyond. Father God, won't you apply tests and opportunities for me so I can do more this week than I did last week? And I want to do more in the kingdom of God next year than I did last year. And I believe that what God is saying to his church, the bride of Christ, and that means you and me today, is friends, we need to get back to stage. We lay down our lives so that we can pick up his cross and his life. To be integrated into his family. To follow not Jesus, but the way of Jesus. And too often I think we think we're following the Jesus, but we're just not doing what Jesus wants us to do. And so this morning I want you to Talk about perseverance. Perseverance. How many of us have promises from God that we are still waiting to manifest and to come true? I am. I've got so many things I believe God's promised me. And I, I want them to manifest. I want them to come true. I'm, I'm still waiting for them. God, you said this. How many of us have given up on any of the things that God has promised us or called us to? The promises of God that are gathering dust, and we don't even believe that they may be real at the moment. Friends, in laying down our lives and following Jesus, it's sacrificing to self and picking up our cross. But if you're anything like me, sometimes I get disillusioned in the process. I get disillusioned in the process because sometimes there's a lack of fulfillment. God, you promised this, and where are the answers to your promise? There's a lack of breakthrough. God, you said I would have breakthrough. You called me to be an overcomer. You said I would be victorious. 
and I'm just not feeling strong and victorious. How many of you relate to that? Sometimes I think, well, God, where are you? I don't see your plan. I don't see your purpose. I don't see your promises materializing. God, where in heaven are you? How many of us during these times may even have the thought, well, God, did you lie to me? I'm not talking about a theological question because I can answer the Bible. God doesn't lie. But sometimes it's an emotional thing. God, did you say this or didn't you say this? Were you having me on? Were you lying to me? Sometimes I feel like I've been slugging it out. I've been game for broke. I've been giving my best. I've been fighting the good fight. I've been contending for king and for kingdom in every possible way. And I'm not seeing the breakthrough. I'm not seeing the manifestations, the promises, the things of God. God, you, you, you gave me a passion for this. And I'm seriously passionate about it. So where's the breakthrough? Where's the overcoming? Where's the glimmer of hope at the end of the tunnel? Where are you, God? Maybe some of us begin to wonder like Jeremiah did in Jeremiah 20 verse 7. Oh Lord, you misled me. And I allowed myself to be misled. Friends, we, we often live in this tension between a theological and an emotional dialogue that's going on within us. Between the victory and the travailing for the victory. I am strong and courageous. I just don't feel strong and courageous at the moment. I know I'm the head, but sometimes I feel I'm the tail. And the tail is that part of your body that's just too close to the other part of your body. And it's all coming out on me. Father, where on earth are you? And sometimes to make matters worse is as often in these seasons where I think God has left the building. God, where are your promises that are supposed to be yes and amen? Where are you in this? Have you also gone to Belito? When we don't hear his voice, Friends, that's where we need to remember that we must die to ourselves to truly live for Jesus. Friends, that's when we honestly need honesty with one another. And that's why I'm doing the men's group on a Thursday evening, trying to help men become honest with one another. Because sometimes we can believe I'm the only one that's feeling that God has emigrated or semigrated. I'm the only one that's believing that God doesn't love me. I'm the only one that believes that maybe God lied to me when he promised me and he said that all things would work to the good of those who love him. I just don't feel it. I just don't get it. And so we start to hide our emotions. But friends, we, we mustn't hide our emotions. We must deal with how we're feeling. We just need to deal with how we're feeling and bring them in submission to what God and faith and what God calls us to. It's the Jesus in you, hope and glory. But how can we have Jesus in you? Jesus is so full of Stuart. You know, the more Stuart that's in here, the less chance there is for Jesus. The more Jesus that's in here, the less chance there is for Stuart. Oh, Stuart, won't you come out that the God in me can manifest? And sometimes when I'm going through my moments of wobbly, and Amy shared her Tuesday moment of wobbly, and I think we all have a moment of wobbly, then we go to like passages like Hebrews 11, the great faith go-to chapters. Yes! You know, I, I, I just, when I'm needing to be encouraged, I just, you know, Hebrews 11 is a good one. Oh, by faith, oh, by faith, oh, by faith. You know, 
Oh, by faith, everybody overcomes and is strong and victorious. People hold you on to the promises of God, and God delivers. I love it. It's just proof that God delivers on his promises. There's a whole pattern in this chapter. God gives someone a promise, and, and the people hold on to the promise, and God delivers his promise. This is the delivering God. This is the whole storyline. And so we have folk like Abraham. God gives Abraham a promise, and Abraham stands on his promise, and Abraham has a child, and God delivers by faith. And we read this paragraph in Hebrews 11. In three verses, Abraham had a promise. God delivered his promise was fulfilled. Less than 30 seconds. I just love how God delivers all of his promises in less than 30 seconds. But friends, we can read these and we become so flippant about it. But the reality is that promise didn't take three verses and 30 seconds. That promise took 25 years. From promise to fulfillment, 25 years. How many times did Abraham get annoyed or fed up or frustrated with, with God? It's easy to read about a, a promise in somebody else's life, and it's more difficult to understand and travail and try and work through the promises in our own lives that aren't manifesting. When it's in somebody else's life, it can be easy, but when it's in my own life, it's painful. Lord, you promised me something. You didn't say to me, it's going to take 25 years for it to materialize, 25 years to happen. I might not have believed the promise was from you if I knew I had to wait half my life, quarter of my life, whatever the case may be, in order to see it. And there's this pattern. In Hebrews 11, verse 32, and what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the other prophets, who, th who through faith conquered kingdoms, administrated justice, and gained what was promised. So you have all these people in Hebrews 11 who had a promise from God and materialized. Then God goes on and says, and there are just so many more people. I gave them promises and their promises were fulfilled, and they administrated justice and, and got what was promised. I'm going, yes, Lord. These are the stories we love. These are the stories we, we read in, in, in Sunday school. These are the stories we, we hold on to. The people of faith have got a promise from God, held on to it, and God delivered. Now, this is what God delivered. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edges of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. How many of you want those promises? Yes, Lord, I want those promises. Now, I'd, I'd just give a, a full little facelift. I'd be happy. You know, Father, I want those promises to be able to, to see people raised up from the dead, to, to persevere in battle and to be victorious. Yes, Father God, I want those promises. These are the type of things that Steven Spielberg was inspired by when he wrote some great epics. But friends, if only it ended there. But it doesn't. Scripture then says, but there were others. <laughs> None of us want to be in the others group. 
You know, you always have the, the A team and then the others. You know, at school, you, you're picking two teams. You know, okay, you pick a team, you pick a team, I'll pick them, I'll pick them, and, and there's others. No, I don't want them. You could have them anyway. You know, none of us want to be involved with the others. But Scripture says in Hebrews 11, there were others. They were tortured, refusing to be released so they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers. I could do a year or two, maybe. Flogging. Nah. Even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sword in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. I relate to any little bit of persecuted and mistreated and misunderstood. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. How many of us would be happy to be the others? Honestly, I wouldn't. And then in verse 39, these were all commended for their faith. They were commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. This is where we can start to think, well, maybe God lied. None of them received what they'd been promised. The next verse says, God had planted, sorry, God had planned something far better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Friends, life isn't always fair. Life isn't always easy. It's so good to be with a person of faith whose promise was fulfilled, but not the others who are misunderstood. After 25 years, some got their promise and some never did. And these are the promises that God gave them too. These are, there are some promises that God is going to give you that in your lifetime, but were not made for you. They were made for a generation to come. Friends, in the niceties, sometimes we can go, well, I'm going to pray and contend for my children and my children's children and my children's children's children. And God's saying, but Stu, my brood, I want you to do something so amazing in your life that you're contending for the children and the children's children, those who are not yet to come, those who you don't even know. Are you willing to surrender and lay down your life? Or maybe the promise of God is given to you that your life will be an example to those who are still to come. Where 25 years and more is part of the answer. But God has expected us to live our lives without an iota of selfishness. God has expected you to give your life for Him and His kingdom more than you and your wants and your desires. He's expected and trusted you to hand in an assignment that may not be complete in your lifetime. Friends, what are the assignments that God has given us that I'm going to be faithful in my part of the assignment, but the fulfillment and the promise of that assignment might only come to pass long after I've gone to glory. Am I willing to contend and to sacrifice and to give up for that?
What are we willing to contend and fight for if we think if only it is for me? Lord, if my promise comes in my time and my fulfillment, I'll fight for it. But if you're calling me to fight for something I can't see, that I won't experience, that I won't understand, that I won't see the benefits and the fulfillment of, will I still fight in that battle? And I believe that that's what God is calling us to do. God wants us to fight so the future generation will receive. Friends, it's not about coming to church on a Sunday to sing a song or, 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 or goosebumps or things like that. It's coming together to establish something in spirit that will live far longer than any of us ever will. That will be a credit to our account in years to come. Friends, imagine fighting in the church for people that we don't even know who are outside the church. Laying down our lives for those that we don't know, that we may never know. And yet so many of us leave church because we're fighting with a person in the seat next to us. What kind of person do you want to be? A people that would fight for revival and for kingdom with their dying breath. For example, I committed with my dying breath to fight for the promises of God whether I see it or not. That's what laying down your life looks like. The so-called lack of feeling God is often because God is doing something, sorry, the, the so-called lack of feeling God is often because God is doing something in you more than he is doing something around you. I can't see God in this place. Maybe God's not here. No, God's probably doing something in you I can't see God in this. I, there's not enough spirituality here. There's not enough this. There's not enough love. There's not enough A, A B, C. I, ca I, can't, I, I can't live here. We've got load shedding. We, no, God, God is doing something in you in load shedding to be a light, no pun intended, an example and a flame and a hope and everything. What is our resolve like? Friends, there's no resurrection power without the cross. There's no peace without surrender. There's no abundant life without dying to self. And this isn't my idea. It's God's idea. But God can't live in you if you are so full of you. I had another word there, but we'll just leave that one out of the moment. Aggie got the joke, hey, Ags? You and I both, girl. Friends, God doesn't expect you to be perfect. God expects you to be humble. Lord, thank you for your promise. Your kingdom come, your will be done. But Lord, by Tuesday, <laughs> authentic humility begins with honesty and ends with responsibility, personal responsibility. And somewhere in the middle between personal responsibility, honesty, the kingdom of God is dying to self. Because when we die, Christ really lives in us. So what is Jesus saying to us this morning? Where is Jesus calling you to persevere this morning? Where are the areas in your life where you say, actually, God, I've given up on the promises that you've given me? 
I've given up on fighting for my friends. I've given up on fighting for my church. I've given up on fighting for my community. I've given up on fighting, contending, praying, getting on my knees. I've given up on you, Jesus, because you said you would come through for me and you just haven't. So I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to give you a little bit of a boost in this area. Where does Jesus call you into spaces of testing? Where Jesus says, Stu, I want to test you, to grow you and mature you. And so often for most of us, as soon as we go through an area of testing, of where things get hard or difficult, our first reaction is, get behind me, Satan. This can't be of God. Do you know how difficult it is? You know, God asked me to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm not a morning person. This can't be him. God created me. He created me to be an evening person. He didn't create me to be a morning person. That just can't be God. If God was really in this relationship, it would be easy. If God was really in this ministry, there would be money. If God was really in my work, I'd get a promotion, I'd get a bonus. Can't be God. It's difficult. It's hard work. It's fighting. We're the areas that God is testing us, and we are ready to tap out or just not embrace the fact that God is in this. I started off this series by saying, we become more miserable when we make things about ourselves. But I believe that a significant challenge to the church today is that we need to stop making it about ourselves and make it about Him, His kingdom, His people, His plans, His purpose, His way. Sometimes I do want my way, my need, my opinion, my resources, my ability. Sometimes I think I really can do a good job. But it's all about King Jesus. When we're called to faith, we're called to die to that self-centered part of us so that Jesus can live in us. So there would be fullness and freedom and power. Because I long for glory and power. I long for the manifestations. I long to see people healed and set free. I had, I, I had a, a connection during the course of the week with a, a gentleman whose bo- both his parents have died of cancer. And uh, I, I met him at a, somewhere. And he's a bit like, I just don't understand. Why God, why, how can you love a God where, where, where like, both my parents die of cancer? He's just like, I'm so frustrated, upset with church. You know, you, you, and we, we met through other things, and eventually like, his brother-in-law said, go and have a coffee with Stuart. Gave, me, gave him my number. He says, you're the only pastor whose number's ever been in my phone. Because there, there there, there's something relatable about your, your, your take and your slant and things. I'm going to be like, I don't have to have the answers. I don't have to convince you but I want the resurrection power of Jesus to manifest through the testing and the questions that you have. I want you to find your wisdom and your answers before I try to give you my wisdom and my answers. 
We're going to get together in a week's time. Friends, the difficulty is that Jesus never called us to the cross because the cross is painful. He called us to the cross because without the cross, your life will be painful. We think laying down our lives is a painful process. I'm wanting to challenge you and say, if you don't lay down your life, it's a painful process. There is only one way, Jesus' way. And it's not religion and bombastic beating up of people with theology. It's loving people. It's laid down our lives. It's letting the fruit and the evidence of a life surrendered to Christ manifest. People want to see us go through our testing and come out victorious rather than giving up and blaming God. I wouldn't support or, or, or serve or love a God like most believers around, where they just get annoyed because God's always letting down. I don't want to be, you know, serve a letting down God, a God. I want to serve a God of promise, of fulfillment, of passion, of purpose, of resurrection power. Father God, won't you help us to get free from ourselves? Help us to say yes to you. Friends, there's it's been a bit of a strange message this morning. We can't always just have the easy ones. I want to see people come to faith. I want to see the sick healed. I want to see the blind eyes opened. I want to see the dead rise again. I want to see marriages restored. I want to see children with hope. I'm fed up with people telling me how they are craving a visa or something to escape. If you want to escape, do me a favor, get on the plane and go. But if God hasn't called you to go, then change your attitude and stay and love and make a plan and have a purpose. We live in the most amazing nation with the most amazing opportunities. We are part of the most amazing family on the face of the planet called the Bride of Christ. And if we want to see the bride glorified and the people set free, we need to make right. We need to die to self. And follow Jesus. Lionel, I mentioned that I was going to bring you up to come and introduce communion, but if you would remind me from, would you, if you wouldn't mind, release me from that. So we're going to take communion now. But so often we can get caught up in a religious exercise. Church can become religious, community can become religious, reading your Bible can become a religious exercise. And none of that brings life and liberty and joy and power. And, free. and as we come up and have communion, in the prayer meeting, Uncle Lionel was encouraging us to, to put our best sacrifice, our best offering forward. Father God gave his best, his son, all of his son, not just two legs and an arm, 
for us so that we can live in that resurrection power, that post-cross power. Thank you for listening. 